Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Uh, Get your Bibles out. Get your Bible app out. Uh, We've got a message. Church has been great already uh, with worship. But we've got a message today. The kids are making their way back to have their PJ party and uh, a sugar high on all those Krispy Kreme donuts. Uh, Adults, we've got some for you in the back as well. So grab one before you leave if you haven't already. Well, I like to do this every Sunday, so grab your Bible or your Bible app. Uh, Those of you that are here in person and those of you that are not with us in person, let's grab our Bibles, let's hold them up, and let's prepare our hearts with this declaration. You ready? Read. This is my Bible. It is God's Word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I, for my life today, and open my heart to hear God speak a word and fill me with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So good. I want to start by reading a testimony for you from one of our congregation members. It's from Heather Gwynn. She says, I grew up attending church all the time. I was heavily involved in my youth group, vacation, Bible school, Bible quiz, and Christian school, among other things. I've been a Christian since I was a little kid. In fifth grade, I started attending a church that was very legalistic and focused a lot on the fear and the wrath of God and the shame of sin. While I was saved, I never felt safe. I was very fearful of everything and felt like I had to watch my every move because I was one sin away from an eternity in hell. After 10 years... I left the church with a lot of hurt and bitterness in my heart. I walked away from it and told myself that church just wasn't for me. I always knew in my spirit that this was a people issue and not a reflection of who God is. For years after leaving the church, I was searching for answers and peace, but never found it. Every couple of months, I would wake up with a tugging in my heart to pray and to read the Bible and to come back to God. My parents started attending Lakeshore Christian Fellowship in Gastonia and invited my husband and I to church with them. I've been feeling this tug strongly for the weeks prior, and I decided to give it a shot. I vowed that I would not become involved but would attend and keep my distance from people as to not get hurt again. As we continued to come to church, the pool started to get stronger, and I wanted to get back into reading my Bible. As I began to read it again as an adult, I started to see it through new eyes. God started showing me who I am in Christ. His creation and His daughter who, while flawed and imperfect, was so very loved by him. I didn't need to feel ashamed or afraid, for I was protected and no longer in darkness. 
I could hear God telling me that I don't have to be perfect to be his. And that was okay. That he sent his son to die for me because I am imperfect. And he wanted me to know him and build a relationship with him. I've still got a long way to go, she says. But God has done so much healing in my heart. I have become way more confident in who I am as a child of God. And I have felt this dark cloud of fear and spiritual oppression be lifted off my shoulders. While I walked away and disappointed God, like the Israelites in the Old Testament, he never left me. He never stopped tugging and he never stopped loving me. Can somebody say amen? I don't know if you can relate to that or not. I have a sense that a lot of people probably could relate to some part of her story. But I wanted to highlight something that she said twice that really stood out to me. She said, God started showing me who I am in Christ. She said, I've become way more confident in who I am as a child of God. And the Lord just reminded me to remind you, don't try to live from who you were, live from who you are. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, look at it with me. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Will you read that with me? It's on the screen. Come on, ready, read. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. I don't know about you, but I think earlier years when I got saved and I became a Christian as I was making my way through church, I don't know why, but I always had the impression that when you accept Jesus Christ, that God just makes you a better you. Or he kind of rebuilds you. Or he gives you a chance to live as a better you. But that's not at all the truth of the scripture. Notice, friend, the Bible says that when you're in Christ, you actually become a brand new person. That's not a better you. That's not a rebuilt you, a remanufactured you. That's a new you, meaning the old you, the old sinful nature separated from God, dead in your sins, is gone, is dead, and is buried. Can you say amen? And he's replaced with a new you. You actually become born from above. That's what it means to be born again. You're born from above, and God places the Spirit of Christ on the inside of you. He makes you a brand new creation. That's what some other translations say. And this word new is fresh. It's unused. It's novel. It's like unprecedented. It's not who you used to be. It's a new human species now filled and, and, and empowered with the very Spirit of God living on the inside of you. And when we begin to catch that, something begins to shift. From that place of our newness in Christ, 
the Holy Spirit begins to teach us how to live from the new people that we've become. See, being a Christ follower isn't about the old you trying to live for Jesus. It's about Jesus living through the new you. Listen to that again. Being a Christ follower isn't about the old you trying to live for Jesus. It's about Jesus living through the new you. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2.20? Remember, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in this human existence, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Something miraculous, something supernatural took place on the cross. God placed you and all your sinfulness in Jesus. And when you accepted Christ, he made you a brand new son, a brand new daughter of God. Can you say amen? And this is important because we've been studying about blood covenant. We've been studying about what transpires when we come into a blood covenant relationship through the blood of Jesus with God. And the point of our series is to encourage us and to increase our confidence in God's integrity to keep his promises that he swore in the blood of Jesus. So if you missed any of those, you can catch those on our podcast from our website. The title of today's message, if you're taking notes, is simply this, A New and True Covenant Heart. A New and True Covenant Heart. Now, those of you who know the Bible, or you're somewhat familiar with the Old Testament way of living, you'll know that in the Old Testament, God's people tried and tried and tried to live for God, to live in God's ways. But over and over and over, they weren't able to do it. They over and over broke God's ways. And at the center of our new covenant relationship is the person of Jesus Christ. And what we have to realize is that through him, God the Father and Jesus sent to you and I the Holy Spirit. And he's caused it to be reborn We become these new people, and now he's enabled us by the power of his Holy Spirit to not only know his way of living, but to actually live the way he wants us to live. And if you're at all familiar with what happens in the New Testament through the blood of Jesus, you would quickly agree that that's true and that's biblical. I want us to look at this. Through Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews is a book that's written to Jewish believers. And you have to know this before we read these scriptures that the people that Hebrews is addressed to are people that were very familiar with the Old Testament way of living with God. They were very familiar with the sacrificial system that God put in place for worshiping God. But chapter 10 is specifically highlighting the fact that blood from bulls and goats and animals was insufficient to take away the sins of the people forever and to make the people right and holy and just and perfect in God's eyes. And so we have this recorded in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 23. Hebrews 10, 19 
through 23. This is how it reads. Therefore, brothers and sisters, have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So the writer is encouraging us to hold fast to the confession of our faith and putting our faith and putting our hope in Jesus as our high priest. And if you're a note taker or if you like to mark up your Bible or your Bible app like I do, it would do you good to highlight or underline the words true heart, full assurance of faith, the words sprinkled, the words evil conscience, and the words washed with pure water. Because I want us to look a little closer. If we're just reading this kind of surface level, we'll miss the rich biblical truths that are in here. I don't know about you, but I've got a great wife, guys. And one of the things that Yolanda does really, really well for me is she helped me to find things that I missed the first time I looked for it at the surface level. Come on, wives, do any of your husbands do that? I was at Walmart yesterday, and I went to buy a screen protector for my phone because my phone cracked. I got it fixed. I didn't want to break it again. And so I looked up this screen protector online on Walmart's website, and the website said they had four in stock. Now, these are locked up behind a glass cabinet, so I had to go ask some help from the attendant. And she walked over, and I told her what I was trying to do, and she asked me what model phone I had because it makes a difference. It fits my model phone. And we looked and we looked and we looked, and it's not there. She goes, it's not there. I said, your website, it said it's there. She said, the website lies. <laughs> I said, the website lies? She said, yeah, because, you know, we're imperfect attendants and we might not have counted correctly or whatever. I said, okay. I was bummed out because I don't want to break my phone again. So she left, and I'm looking and looking, and I refused to take what she said as true. <clears throat> so I'm just looking and looking and look, taking my time, and I just felt like Yolanda was there saying, Look thoroughly. Because a lot of times I look for something, I don't find it. She comes and she finds it. You didn't look very good, did you? No, I didn't. So this time I'm looking thoroughly. And I'm looking and looking and looking. And all of these screen protectors are hanging in boxes and they're labeled. And I saw the label of the screen protector that fit my phone. The label was there. But the screen protector that in a box that was hanging there wasn't for my phone. It's for a different phone. I have a Motorola. This was for a Samsung. I'm looking carefully at that, and I'm standing there. I'm just looking at my phone. That's the right, that's the right label. The attendant came back. She goes, it's not just going to magically appear, you know. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I wanted to, I wanted to say something mean, but then I remember, no, that wouldn't be good. So I said, yeah, I know, but I'm just, you know, I'm just double-checking. And she came over and she stood by me. She said, what are you looking at? And I showed her, I said, you see that label? Yeah. That label 
says that the screen protector for my phone should be hanging on that rack. And she looked closely at it. She says, that's a Samsung. And then she looked at me and she looked at the, she, looked, she goes, it might be there. She opened up the glass case. She took that Samsung spring t- protector off. And lo and behold, guess what was behind that Samsung spring protector? The screen protector that I needed for my Motorola phone. And I bought it, and I just left, and I was so happy. She was wrong. I was right. And it was because my wife was there on my shoulder telling me, look thoroughly. Pastor Robert, what does it have to do with the message? Well, listen, I'm going to tell you. Sometimes, if you really want to find something that's going to benefit you spiritually, you have to take a longer look. And you can't just be satisfied with a surface level look. You have to dig a little deeper. Amen? So I want us to look at some things in this portion of text. It's so important. Notice Hebrews 10.22. Let us draw near with a true heart. Say true heart. True heart in full assurance of faith. I want to show you three things that you got to know or three truths that you got to know about a true or a new and true heart. Okay, number one, write this down. A new true heart is fully redeemed, forgiven, and righteous. Fully redeemed, forgiven, and righteous. Say that with me. Come on. Fully redeemed, forgiven, and righteous. Notice Hebrews 10, 22, the back half. He says, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Now, if you read that surface level, and you're not making the connection with the Old Testament, and you're not researching this out a little bit, and you're not looking at it through uh, the Jewish people's lens spiritually, it might not make any sense to you. But this makes a lot of sense once you look past the surface level. In the Old Testament, the priests that were representing the people to God and God to the people was the mediator. He would go into the holy place of God. He would take the blood from the bull and from the goats that they sacrifice in their worship to God, and he would sprinkle it seven times before God. And when God sees the blood and we sprinkled the blood before God, God would forgive the people and cover the people's sin for one more year. But here's the problem with the Old Testament sacrificial system. Every time they would sprinkle the blood, every time they'd have to go through this ritual in this ceremony, guess what they were reminded of every time they sprinkled the blood? They were reminded of their sinfulness before God. Never breaking free of a guilty conscience. It's different for you, friend. And it's different for me. Notice, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil, sin-ridden, guilty conscience. Now, when it says heart, you got to know, it's not talking about the organ that's pumping in our chest. Many times this word heart is symbolic of a new spirit. It's symbolic of the center of who you are. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, in the book of Jeremiah, and in the book of Ezekiel, God tells his people, I'm going to bring to you a new covenant. And in that new covenant, I'm going to take away your heart of stone, I'm going to replace it with a heart of flesh. 
that's going to be pliable before me. And I'm going to put my words and my laws in your heart. And now in this new covenant, I'm going to enable you by the power of my spirit that I'm going to place in you to walk in a way that's pleasing before me. And even if and even when you mess up, you won't have to come to me with a guilty conscience because the blood of Jesus is enough to fully redeem you, fully forgive you, and fully make you right in my eyes. Can somebody say amen? This is what he's saying. Look at Hebrews 9, 11 and 12. Hebrews 9, 11 and 12. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation. Now, let me pause. The earthly tabernacle and that whole system was, was a replica of something that's already taken place in the spiritual realm. There is a spiritual tabernacle where Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, was slayed before the foundation of the world for the forgiveness of our sins so that we could be right before God. Verse 12, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place. I love this, highlight this, underlight this, once for all. Having obtained eternal redemption. Jesus is completely different. He's our great high priest. He only had to shed his blood and offer it to God the Father one time, once for all. And now you and I are forever perfected in the eyes of God as we're walking out our sanctification before God in the earth. Jesus was the ultimate and perfect sacrifice. Why is that important? Because if you're going to worship God from a new and true covenant heart, you have to be convinced that God accepts you because of the blood of Jesus. This is part of the problem that we struggle with. This is part of the problem why a lot of people don't want to come back to church services. They feel guilty. They don't measure up. They don't feel good enough. They can never do it right enough. Listen, your walk with God doesn't start with what you can do. It starts with what Jesus has done. And so this is such a powerful, powerful truth. Such a powerful truth. Here's the second thing I want to point out to you today about this new and true heart. A new, true heart is holy. W. H-O-L-L-Y. Holy convinced that what God says about you is both true and final. I don't know about you, but every time I mess up, I hear the devil whispering in my heart words of guilt and condemnation and reminding me about the person I used to be. And we have to learn to tune into what God says about who we are now. In the blood of Christ and being right before him. Look at Hebrews 10.22a again, the first half. 10.22 Hebrews. He's encouraging us. Let us draw near with a true heart. Listen, in full assurance. Did you know in the Old Testament that was not possible? They couldn't draw near to God with a new and true heart in full assurance. No, every time they drew near to God, they were reminded 
of their sinfulness. They were reminded that they broke the Ten Commandments. They were reminded that they were separated from God. God is not about reminding you about that. He wants you to have a full assurance, new and true heart, that what Jesus Christ has done is enough. Can you say amen? See, the Ten Commandments aren't bad. They're good. They're needful. They point out our sinfulness and our need for a Savior. But it's not up to us to live those out to be right with God. Jesus lived them out to be right with God. And now, even in our imperfection, because of the blood of Jesus, you're right with God. Friend, you need to hear that. You need to know that. As a matter of fact, let me just be a little more clear. In Christ, God says you're a brand new creation. In Christ, God says you are perfected. In Christ, God says you are a saint. In Christ, God says, you are the righteousness of God in him. In Christ, God says, you are holy and accepted before him. And God wants you to have this full assurance of faith. There is no way that you can be enabled to walk in the ways of God if you're always walking around wondering if he's going to strike you because you mess up. That's kind of where Heather was. That's kind of where a lot of people are. So they just want to avoid God altogether because they haven't seen beyond the surface level about the wonderful covenant relationship that we have because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Friend, I don't want you to ever feel like this is a legalistic place. Sometimes I can come across a little strong, but it's always in love, always to encourage you, always to shepherd you, always to just remind you that God wants more for you in your relationship with Jesus. It's not about doing things to be right with God. It's about doing things because we're already right with God. And the power of the Holy Spirit is enabling us to live for him. Amen? There's a difference. There's a difference. Hebrews says, because of what Jesus did, you can go boldly into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. There was no way Old Testament people can go boldly before God. Boldly, it means to have this freedom and this fearless confidence it's so important that we catch this. When you are holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, convinced about who God says you are, you will live from who God says you are, not what your past said you were. Let that sink in. Joseph Prince, I don't know if you ever watch him or follow him or what you think about him. I've received much from reading his books and watching some of his ministry programs. He says this. He says, right believing leads to right living. Right believing. Believing rightly about the finished work of the cross will empower you by faith in the person and the spirit of Christ in you that will enable you to live rightly before God. Don't get me wrong. Our right standing before God isn't a license to live a sinful lifestyle. It isn't a license to just live any way I want to. It's a license and it's an empowering to live as a son and as a daughter of God. If you're with me, say amen. Here's the third thing and the final thing I want to show you. A new true heart comes under, comes under the Holy Spirit and the word of God to bring sanctification and spiritual maturity. See, in the Old Testament, God said, do this, but there was no power in the people of the Spirit of God to enable them to do it. 
It's like they had to do it just because God said to do it and by their own willpower, but there wasn't the power of the Holy Spirit like you have in New Covenant True Heart Relationship that will enable you to live according to God's ways. And a new true heart comes under, in other words, it's submitted to the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to be sanctified and grow into spiritual maturity. Some of you probably know this, but I want to just repeat it just in case so we're on the same page. We don't use that word a lot, but it's a, it's a highly important biblical term. Sanctification simply means becoming more and more like Christ. It means becoming more and more separate from the world and the culture and living for and to God. You're set apart. That's what it means. And Christ has already sanctified you by his blood. But now there's a practical expression of this living a set apart life. Amen. As a son and as a daughter of God. And part of the Holy Spirit and the word of God, uh, their power working together is to cause us to become spiritually mature. In other words, that's a goal. That's a goal of Christianity to become more and more like Jesus, to become more and more like the Father, expressing his love, expressing his power, expressing his character in the world in which we live. Why is that important, Pastor Robert? A lot of reasons, but one of the main reasons is, as a son and as a daughter of God, God wants to express himself through you to show himself to people around you. Amen? For God so loved the world that he sent Jesus, and now Jesus lives in you. And when we walk like Jesus, and we talk like Jesus, and we act like Jesus, there's something that's attracting to Jesus. You know, you read the scriptures, the sinners and the outcasts, they were attracted to Jesus. The religious leaders weren't so attracted to Jesus. They were very legalistic, and they didn't like the new way Jesus was bringing. But one of the ways that God wants to reach people is by impressing his spirit and his character on you so that as you're becoming set apart, sanctified, and as you're becoming mature, more like Jesus, there's something about your life and my life that attracts like bees to honey. Because there's something sweet about the life that's hid in Jesus. If you're with me, say amen. I'm going to invite the worship team back up to the platform. As we're almost getting ready to close here. I want to show you Hebrews 10.22. Look at it again with me. Hebrews 10.22. Let's look at it. He says to us, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Our bodies washed with pure water. That's another one of those phrases. If you're just kind of reading it, you're like, okay, I need to take a bath every day. You know, we don't really understand what it means, but... In the Old Testament, the priests that represented the people before God and God before the people, they had to be what they called ceremonially clean. And they went through different rituals to do that before God. And one of the things that they had to do is they had to wash themselves with water ceremonially to be clean before God. It was symbolic 
of the fact that now they're clean and they're acceptable before God. And it was symbolic of the fact now they were going to do what they could to live clean lives before God. That's what that means. Your body's washed with pure water. And remember, he's writing to Jewish people who are very, very familiar with the Old Testament sacrificial system. For us, it doesn't always, you know, click. But I want to try to make it click. One of the symbols for the word and the spirit in the Bible, guess what it is? Water. Whenever you read about water, a lot of times symbolically, it's referring to the water of the spirit. If anyone thirsts, Jesus said, let him come to me and drink. For he who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit, who had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. But the Holy Spirit's been sent. And there's this, there's this prophetic, symbolic picture of water and refreshing that's connected to the person of the Holy Spirit when he's in and through our lives. And then another symbol that's in the scripture uh, for water, or I should say uh, for, for the word is water. The Bible is identified like water that washes us and cleanses us. We're already washed and clean, but throughout your day and throughout my day and throughout our weeks, don't we pick up some of the grime and some of the dust and some of the junk from the things that we see or the things that we hear or some of the environments that we might be in? Can I just remind you what the scripture says in Ephesians 5, 25 and 26? It says, for husbands, this means you love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her, listen, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. There's something of a washing effect that the word of God does. It renews our minds and it, it cleans our minds and it cleans us from the impurities and the imperfections that we pick up along the way. I don't know about you, but I need to be washed by the word of God on a regular basis, if not a daily basis. There's something about the word that just brings a washing and a refreshing. The word and the spirit, a new and a true heart comes under, submits to God's word and God's spirit so that we can be sanctified, set apart to live for him. And so that we can become spiritually mature, becoming more and more like Jesus. Does that make sense? God hasn't given you a rebuilt heart. He hasn't given you a better you. You've got a new heart and a new spirit that's accepted and righteous before God. So, Pastor Robert, what do I do? What do I do now that I believe this and I receive this? What do I do tomorrow? Like when I leave church and when I'm not hearing you talk about, what do I do tomorrow when you know, challenges, and I'm hearing the kids, and I, I've got responsibilities, and I got to go to work. That's what I want to close with today. The first thing I want us to do is I want us to take communion together. You guys are very, very familiar with that. In Matthew chapter 26, 26 through 28, if you ever forget, 26, 26, it's easy, 26, 26. Matthew 26, 26 through 28. Jesus is gathered with his disciples. 
And he's so excited because he's ushering in this new covenant relationship that we've been talking about based not on blood from bulls or goats or animals, based on the blood that he was about to shed. And the Bible tells us as they were eating, Jesus took bread and he blessed and he broke it. And he gave it to the disciples and he said, take, eat. This is my body. So if you've got the the bread, go ahead and take that and eat that. And don't take it lightly. Remember, this symbolizes and it represents the broken body of Jesus. And then he goes on and he says this. After that, he takes the cup and he gave thanks. And he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood. Notice, this is my blood of the new covenant. I just believe that when he said that, the eyes of the disciples, they just, they just, they bugged out because they knew about Passover. They knew about the blood of animals. They knew that when, when God saw the blood, he passed over and the people were spared. And Jesus saying, that was me. This is it. It's coming to pass right now. This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, which is spilled for many for the remission, for the taking away of sins, not just covering them for a year. But God, in his sovereignty, he chooses to never, ever remember your sins forever. Can you say amen? That's good news. I don't know about you, but I had a lot of sins. And so I want you to take that juice, symbolizing the blood that takes away your sins. And now, would you pray for me? I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I believe God wants to release healing and restoration to people's lives. Even those of you that are watching and joining by Facebook. He wants to release healing and restoration in in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. And then as a way to respond to God, we're going to sing two more worship songs. And I want that to be your space. I want you to pray. I want you to kneel. I want you to stand. Do whatever you want to do. And just recommit your life to God with a new and true covenant heart. And then tomorrow when you get up and you're like, church is over, what do I do? I want you to go to 2 Corinthians 5.17. I want you to memorize that. Remember, throughout the day, I'm a new person. I'm a new person. I'm a new person. I'm not a rebuilt person. I'm a new person. And I'm righteous before my God. Father, we love you and we honor you. We thank you today. We thank you that you've given us a new and true covenant heart. We thank you that we have been accepted because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you that we've been forgiven. We thank you that we've been redeemed. We thank you, Lord, that we have been made fully righteous before you. So we make a decision now, Father, to celebrate what you've done through us. We make a decision, Father, to come under the submission of the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God so that we can live as who we are, sons and daughters of God. Father, I thank you for bringing healing and restoration to people right now, spirit, soul, and body. You're healing bodies from any type of COVID long-term effects. You're healing emotions from people who are broken, people who are hurt, people that are hurt from churches, people that are hurt from pastors, people that are hurt because they lost a loved one. Father, I thank you that you're giving people vision and hope for the future, and you're filling them with fresh faith because what Jesus has done for them. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen. Let's worship the Lord in thanksgiving. 
Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.